What's your fall resolution? This is the Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Welcome to the Focus Group. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Tim Bennett. We are officially back in studio, and a lot of official things are going on, like it's officially the end of summer, it's officially the beginning of school, and it's the official time we want you to make your fall resolutions. January is not the only time to do this, and since pumpkin spice has invaded our lives, as Christmas gets pushed further into fall, why not make some resolutions? Anyway, we like doing that this time of year. We both agree on that. We're going to talk about that later in the show. We have a packed broadcast for you. But, Mr. Bennett, welcome to fall. Thank you. I've got my <laughs> pumpkin spice latte shirt on. I thought of that. I thought maybe I should wait for a little later into the season to bring out the orange. But you and I were just having lunch, and we were in a department store, major department store here in New York City, and Christmas has arrived. They were setting up Christmas land. And I said, you know, it's over 100 degrees out. And she laughed. Well, and she said she thought that setting up the Christmas trees was going to make her feel cooler. Yeah, feel cooler. <laughs> hey, in the booth we have Garrett and John. Garrett's our audio technician. John is our video technician. Where's, that old, where's, the, where's the good camera shot? They oh, moved the I camera. moved it. The, the moved camera it. is now yeah, a studio so cam. Like you know, so that's the oh, studio. So I can go like this audience. and show the whole oh, studio. Oh, I see. I want to see you. There, yeah, and, and you get to see us against yeah. the green screen. Guys, did you have a good week off? You, seemed, you seem relaxed. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Went was to a nice. few parties, saw a magic show. Oh, a magic show. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, it was, was kind of lame. Aww. <laughs> did you do a magic show, Garrett, or did you go to one? I went to one. It was like Steve Cohen. It's this, like, you have to dress up, suit and tie. It's like 150 bucks a ticket. There's only like four rows of people. And he did like six tricks. One trick just was wrong. He did it wrong. And it, he just kept going. And it was like this mechanical thing that kept pushing up cards and they were always the wrong cards. He just had to play it out. And just a lot of it was bad. I wonder if that's part, was that part of this, part of the act, you think? Or no, because oh uh, we went with someone that had been three times before and she said that wasn't. It was supposed uh, to work. That's too yeah. bad. Someone who had spent $450. If it's $150 a yeah. ticket and she's been three times before, look, I'm not the best at math, but I did that one quick. <laughs> I heard something on the radio today I wanted to spring on the three of you. Okay. So I want you to think about it quick. And I, I guess I'll ask you first, John, or maybe the maybe Garrett or John. So on the radio, they were talking about songs that made girls' panties drop. So this was another word. Ask me about. Well, this. you know what I mean. But panties in general. Like, was there a go-to song for seduction that you used to play, or that seductive, seductive music, or an artist, or somebody that were like some Garrett shaking his head. It's right. You have to find the artist that the girl likes. Like each girl. It's not like one song is going to get every girl to drop her panties. I mean, I did do something like this once. The uh, first time I was ever with a lovely lady, I. Uh, you know, I went all out, so I lit the candles. I did the rose petals. I lit the candles. And I did the rose petals. Marvin Gaye. Oh, Marvin Let's Gaye. get it on. Okay. So when she walked in, I was like, "Hey, baby," and I just boom hit the space bar, and you know, you can take it from there. Was it but all set? I mean, it worked. So maybe that—that's my go-to. See, I guess. Garrett, you, did, you, you, Garrett, you thought about it too much. <laughs> that seems so cliche. Well, I would start I know. laughing if that happened. That's yeah. the thing. And by hey, the way, works. guys. <laughs> You know what I picked up on? I hit the space bar and I'm ready to go. That's a generational thing. Space bar didn't exist when we were. Yeah, you had to put the needle, on the, needle. On, the, on the on the vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a song that would get the girls' panties to drop, John? No, no, nothing. No seduction song. Or well, you know, somebody came over to visit. Way, uh, and wanted to impress Marvin Gaye is a great choice. I would say you could even look at like certain voices like a Lou Rawls. You'll never find, you know, like that deep bass ding, ding, da, da, ding, you know. But I, beyond that, I have no guess. What I was thought the, you might say Finding Nemo or something. but <laughs> Oh, that, yeah. was, <laughs> that was the, the music stylings of, yeah. Well, this person on the radio picked um, the duet between Stevie Nicks and Don Henley, Leather and Lace. Uh, she said whenever her boyfriend would play that, he was guaranteed to get something. 
I never loved. knew it was this easy. Well, I'm telling you, I, and so I, I thought it was an interesting thing of, of, uh, of music, and I because I didn't. Did they come in with any other? Uh, that was her. You had to. Oh, that was one okay. Thing, that yeah. was. Her I, I didn't. Uh, so we got Marvin Gaye and, and uh, what else did we have? Nothing else. Lou Rawls. Lou, Lou Rawls, I guess. And, and Garrett said it's by person. You have to know what yeah. the, the. Yeah, there were some songs that like would get a girl to do it, but then the next girl wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's the thought that counts and also that just having something in the background, you know, helps yeah. the situation. What I find interesting here is the romantic that John is versus Garrett. Garrett, you're like me, the kind of cynic. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> I like John. The romantic. The space I like John bar, the rose petals, the rose candles. Petals, the candles all set. Well, hey, uh, we want to thank you all if you've been uh, tuning into Unbuttoned, which is uh, an audio podcast we do. It's part of our podcast feed. Continue to download it and listen to it. It drops every Tuesday. And uh, if you want to reach us, focusgroupradio at gmail.com, or you can call the studio live while we're on the air at 877-962-6846, and we will you read make that you part the of the conversation. No, I can read it off that little thing over well, there. that's right. You, can, you get the benefit of that. <laughs> I got some cheat things. There's, like, something right there below eyeline. I need a bigger type although, of screen, although it's not allowed, according to you. But No, I, John has – that's when you watch that video on your TV at home, yeah. it's the perfect size because he knows what he's doing. He knows how to do – I know he knows what I'm doing. I just – can't see it. <laughs> All right, so we got a packed show today, Tim. Uh, first, a big thank you. Uh, Bob and I were down over the Labor Day weekend. We visited Rehoboth, and we saw Tim. We were visiting Tim and Richard in the house, and we had a wonderful time. They had a dogs. Great... Oh my God, the dogs! Oh yeah, that was an interesting pet ownership moment. So we wake up on Friday. And uh, Richard noticed that Spike, the Chihuahua, one side of his nose is a little swollen. Looked like a lamb. Could have been like an allergy thing, whatever. And Tim immediately said, I know what this is. You had to schedule a vet appointment. Um, so we managed to get a round of miniature golf in, which we love. We, we went to this place <laughs> that you guys drive by all the time, right? Yeah, the Shell Shack. And I was shocked that Bob won. did as well as he did and was very competitive, which I did not expect. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Richard is extremely competitive. But In fact, I think he came in last. He did, which <laughs> he didn't want to bring up too much because he usually wins in everything else. He wins in skee-ball. He wins in all these other things. Oh, yeah. That, so... so Tim had the take. We did miniature golf. It was very humid at the shore, and it, the weather was iffy. You disappeared for a while. You took Spike in, came back with some medicine, and he has to have a little oral procedure done, and he'll be fine. And his mood improved after he had some antibiotics. Um, one thing we did, which we were fascinated by, was we went on the boardwalk, and one of the arcades was open that hadn't been open last time we were down, and they had this very analog, very mechanical game where you base, there's a row of 12 people and in front of you is, it looks like horses with jockeys and you roll this made ball. Made out of sheet metal. Made out of, yeah, like pressed metal. Painted. You, you roll a ball up this ramp and depending on what hole the ball falls in, the horse moves from left to right. Now, there's only two circles, there's only, yeah, and they, and they move like horses. So people, the, the girl stands there, she goes, all right, everybody hold your balls, which I thought was kind of funny. And then she would say, for the large prize, Sound of the bell, bell for a large prize. prize. And ding, 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 ding. And then everybody starts rolling the thing up. And as the ball returns, you throw it up. And the horses start going. I was convinced I could figure this out. I could game it. I could figure out how to get that thing into the red mark, the holes with the red circle, because those were made the horse go. The, but we played, I don't know how many times we put money Probably down. $30 worth. And a lot of it was $2 bills. Yeah. So I'd put a $2 bill down, and she'd just look at it, and I'd say it's for the two of us, because it was a dollar a play. But we did circulate the twos. We used twos every everywhere. chance we had, and the the and then there was another game with the frogs. I mean, it was all. It's a very analog. It was a good way of you saying it. It was a very analog carnival, probably from the fifties. Yeah. Games from the fifties or sixties. I remember the oh the frogs. Okay. <laughs> no, it was all just very much that a mallet, a mallet and, a, and a hammer. And you, and you so the frog thing that Tim's referring to was a pond, like a big rectangle filled with water, and these lily pads are rotating. And the guy, hand, for a dollar, you get three rubber frogs. So they're like yep. probably about a foot long. They're, and they're, as soon as the frog goes in, someone's taking it out, drying it off, getting ready. To, and then you put the frog on a plate, and you whack a button with a hammer and the frog flies to the air yeah. and lands in the lily pad if you get if you get that meanwhile the people that run the that particular game are getting splashed on all the time i thought what a job it'd be a fun place to work <laughs> i think although it'd probably get tiring over the over the summer 
You think so? I think so. I think you'd get tired of anything. It's a summer job, right? So Everybody hold your balls. <laughs> I, mean, I just sat there, looked around like, is no one else getting this? And then we did one of Tim's favorite activities, which I now approve as a gold star event. Tim said, sometimes, I, you know, if I'm here before Richard gets here, I'm, you know, here early, I'll just go to the boardwalk and sit on a bench and people watch. Whoa, the people watching yeah, is people watching fantastic. is good on the boardwalk. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the thing to do down there. I, a lot of we had a lot of fun people watching, just watching, just right? Just watching people go by. So was it? Thank you. We had a great time. Yeah, well, Thanks glad you came friends. down. It was nice. It was. We had a fun visit. Mark and Carl. Carl had and Mark had dinner. a fantastic dinner. We went to a. We didn't drink any wine at. <laughs> Halfway, three quarters way through dinner, Tim looks across the table at me. and goes, "I got you, Peg Nash." She goes, "You're not drinking," and everyone fact, else was drinking except John. <laughs> I had a vodka tonic and a glass John of wine. John does this, though. John's done this for years. John will watch the watch the party get going, and he kept his glass, didn't touch it, but the glass had wine in it, and everyone else was drinking, 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 and more bottles were being opened. And then I caught John, and I said, I know what's going on here. I said, you're just watching it all unwind, kind of leading the band. Bob drank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And by the way, the way Tim did that, he leaned back and he had his wine glass up and he just looked the beady, like the laser eyes, go, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. He hasn't been drinking. And everybody's like, why, 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 you got to be drinking? I said, we could pour me some more wine. And Tim just looked at me like, that's don't a, waste it. It's wasted. I'm not going to drink it yet. You, you don't drink, though, really so much. I don't think I've ever seen you drunk. You might not have, actually. No. I come to think of it. That's because I don't, I don't know if I like getting drunk, actually. I don't mind being buzzed. But the problem with booze is the minute you are buzzed, you're actually on your way to being drunk. <laughs> and if you want to get the buzz thing and you want to keep that, I don't know how to figure that out with, with alcohol. Well, you need more than one drink. Yeah, but the minute you slide into being beyond buzzed, you're on the, the downhill yeah, ski slope. Well, you to do being... it once in a while, maybe. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I do enjoy myself. Yeah, I do. I, I get a kick out of watching the world unravel around you as all the bottles piled up on the table. Yeah. I counted at least eight or nine wine bottles at one oh, point. So it was a slow night. <laughs> all right. So that was the Labor Day weekend. We're officially in summer, which, and now we need to know what caught your eye, Tim. What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. So I had two uh, somewhat quick ones. The first one, uh, I saw a, a, one of my cousins had posted on Facebook. And the title is, Something's Fishy Going On Here. So this happened in Kuwait. So it says, Kuwaiti stores closed down after the staff stuck googly eyes on the fish to make them look fresh. So if you're watching here on, uh, on our Facebook feed or through the YouTube stream on our video, you'll see one fish with the googly eyes and one fish where it fell off. So a woman had gone into this fish market and she bought all this fish and then she took it home and she started cleaning it and the googly eyes fell off the fish. <laughs> And so she realized that how yellow and how the fish looked horrible. So the yeah, store, dead eye. Right, the store dead ended eye. up putting the googly eyes on all the fish to make <laughs> the fish look like it was fresher. So, of course, she then did a video. Good, good zoom in, John. I like a video that. of it. And then she called the police. I guess in Kuwait you call the police, which the police then contacted the government uh, ministry that handles <laughs> fishmongers, and they shut the store down and found out they'd been doing this for a while on all the fish. They'd been throwing these googly eyes on the fish. I'm sorry. I saw this last night when, when Tim finished the deck. He sent me a note and said, okay, I, I finished my graphics. So I call it up. Bob's making dinner in the kitchen. My office faces the kitchen. And he looks in and he goes, what is that? He comes in and we read just the headline alone. Alone, we could not stop laughing that someone would think of doing this. So what happened is another. So then there was another fish store or fish company in Kuwait that thought it would be fun. They announced fish without cosmetics. They were doing a sale, and they had a picture of fish with different colored contact lenses <laughs> that you could buy if you wanted blue eyes or pink eyes or looked like yellow or something. Good one. But then then people really got out of control on Facebook and they or on uh, on Twitter and they were posting all kinds of things with googly eyes, fruits, vegetables every kind of sort of thing. So they said that it was kind of fun. But uh, that one I just thought was a funny, a funny story. This other one, um, it's been in the news for a little while, but this was just two days ago. It says after, so the next uh, headline, after defending race-based filters for years, Scruff CEO finally admits that maybe they're racist. So this is one of the dating apps or pickup apps or whatever you want to call them. Uh, they're dating apps, right? Or 
pick up Depending, apps. Depending, if, if you asked my younger friends, uh, Alex and Tyler, this ranks as a sex app. So, <laughs> but yeah, so you're going to. So they meet said somebody. for years, for years, Scruff would require users to list the color of their skin on their profile, which they said allowed for race-based filtering. And they said so now Scruff under pressure is finally making its ethnicity field optional. Now they said, but however, back in 2016, he, he had a different. Uh, a different feeling about it. He said, ultimately, we want to build an app and a service that enables guys to find the kind of guys they're looking for. And sometimes that may include different body types, different ethnic preferences, body hair, no body hair, so on and so forth. So I don't understand what the big problem is, but apparently there's all kinds of issues going on with all of these sites, gay or straight. And uh, to the point where Grindr is even coming out with a new one called Kinder, which they're calling a, a new app that's going to combat racism, transphobia, and body shaming. And it's going to, it's going to be built around education, awareness, and specific changes, uh, which will serve as a first step to help foster inclusive and respectful communities on the dating platforms. Blah, blah, I was just going to say, are there going to be like 10 people using the app? I mean, so... Kinder. <laughs> so they went on and on about how there was racism exists in the LGBT community, and my note was it exists in every community. Yeah, it does. But they were they were trying to figure out. So I went and I read some of the different um, different comments, and and Scruff did not fare well in the comment section. A lot of people were essentially saying, "What's the point? Why would you waste your time trying to go after somebody or talk to somebody if they're not interested in you?" It's not only filtering out people of race there's white people that are just in the black people there's black people that are into white people there was there's... one comment that i read um on that article where an african-american guy said he goes you know i just take it for granted that i'm going to be interested in my own yeah. uh skin color and everything else is you know how it works out so i, I it's... he says i don't have a problem with people stating their racial racial preference yes i'm black the way i see it being up front from the start saves people from wasting their time on somebody that doesn't want them also i'm not that big of a fan of white guys <laughs> so this is somebody said and there lies the problem and the predicament are you called a racist now because you're a black person who prefers black people yeah and so they went on with a whole bunch of different issues and then of course the as as uh as the Fox News would say, the, the, the disenfranchised leftists came on and talked about, oh, the poor white middle-aged boys feel discriminated against, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so that went, that went through it all. But I was wondering, um, not that we're on the sites, but do you see a big deal with that? By if you put down what's your, what's your preference? What if you said you wanted somebody who was so, who was muscle or someone who had ginger hair or somebody who was an older person? Or, you know what, I, I, what pisses me off about this? The analog, the, literally the analog or, or real-world version of this is you're at a bar yeah. and you're surrounded by 60 people. You get to choose who you look at and who you want to talk to. And if your brain, if you're making that decision based on what turns you on, if someone has big arms, you're, you're doing the exact same thing, right? Aren't you? Aren't you literally self-sorting at that point? You, know, you, you, you actually read my mind. It's, I think these apps on any of these online uh, dating things are like shopping, and it gives you the variety for you to shop for whatever you want. Versus, like my grandmother, who would go to the grocery store in Nova Scotia, and she might want to have fillet that night, but if there was no fillet at the store. And the only thing that was there was pork, and that was yeah. what was fresh. You had pork, pork for dinner. <laughs> but if she could get online, she'd go try to find the fillet. So by right? analogy, you go to the bar. You don't you see what bar, you're looking for. You don't for. see what you're looking for, but you, you know he was a two at ten, but he was a ten at two. <laughs> so you know how that works. Boy, we everybody needs a vacation. Come back energized. But you're right. We saw it ourselves on the beach when we yes. were in Rehoboth. We all do it. Yeah. Anyway, that was what caught my eye. How about you? Uh, mine is uh, a little story about Instagram, and it, the headline was The Rise and Decline of a Star Wars Instagram Empire. So a photographer named Brett Ferenz began an Instagram account in 2014, and uh, his he loves scotch, like single malt scotch, unique scotches, and his handle is at Scotch Trooper. And amassed a following of about 60,000 followers. And one day he put a little Star Wars Lego Stormtrooper in the picture with one of his highly stylized scotch bottles, because he's a professional photographer. 
and the, and the post went crazy. And so he started at that point. Is he U.S.-based, you know? U.S.-based, yep. He started at that point to begin to add in Star Wars figures to his Scotch pictures, and it took off. And he even invested in better figures, because you could, you could buy toys at, like, you know, a toy store, but some of these figures are actually expensive and they're poseable. Um, he soon hits about 60,000 followers. After a few months, he was featured in the Huffington Post. And soon, all these whiskey companies are inviting him to tastings and all this. I like the Suntory bottle. It reminds me of uh, Lost in Translation. So I wonder how he hung that. If you're watching, there's a there's an airborne. Samurai, like a samurai yeah, How did he do that? Is it string, do you think? Um, he could have perhaps put it on a little stand and then Photoshopped the stand out. Looks great. Um, but I think Photography is beautiful. And I, I love the bottles, too, because all the, 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 uh, the liquids are usually different colors. Um, so he started becoming this really big deal with, this one's one of my, there's a picture we're looking at of Darth Vader using the force to suspend a, a trooper in the air, a stormtrooper, and behind him is a really beautiful bottle of scotch in the box it came in. Um, so the, the whiskey industry likes this guy a lot because even though he only had 60,000 followers, which is small in the Instagram universe, they're very passionate. It would be the same as cigar aficionado. You know, people that spent money on cigars and humidors and special rooms were a very sought-after thing. So here's a, a paragraph. Some might suspect that all this extracurricular capitalization might lead to an essential or an eventual cease and desist, and they'd be right. Ferenz received his in the mail this spring, but it wasn't from Disney, who now owns the Star Wars franchise. It was from the Distilled Spirits Council, which is the National Trade Association for Liquor. And part of the letter read, The Code Review Board concluded the use of Star Wars action figures is inappropriate for distilled spirits marketing materials. It was the use of these action figures rather than any business relations with the Scotch Trooper himself that was found in violation of the code. Someone anonymously submitted a 26-page... <laughs> 26-page complaint. Let's just pause for that. Who has the time to write 26 pages of type? To the Distilled Spirits Council stating that I and all the other brands, meaning the, the photographer, have worked with over the past few years our advertising to minors by using toys in the photos. The result, the sponsorship dried up, and overnight, literally, he can't do it. And the Instagram, he still has his account, but he's had to literally reinvent himself business-wise because he had turned this into a business. So I posed the question to you when I brought this up. I don't look at these figures as toys. They're just, they're just figures. Now, yes, kids play with them, but plenty of adults buy them, right? No. And you, yes. Yeah, so, okay. So it's what a toy, is, John. All right, it's not a supposed to associate toys with liquor or cigarettes. So that you, was the problem with the camel cigarette. The camel looked too camel much like, too much like a cartoon, too friendly. But you have, you have this is a difficult story for you because you view Star Wars in a very different eye than I do. It's a cultural thing, guys. Want, what do you think? You understand? <laughs> I mean, I feel what you're saying, John. But Tim, uh, Tim's technically right. It's true. You know, toys. but I know what you mean. A lot of adults do dig those action figures yeah. and go to the comic con. It's the perfect, yeah, you know. the perfect cross between comic con and scotch, right? <laughs> comic con and scotch. Not that the two are great tastes that go great together, but I was amazed at how quickly you came down the hammer drop because I was like, "Hey, wait a minute!" As I, you were telling me the story, I thought they're going to get—he's going to get in trouble because this is considered children's. Items, and and you were right. It, and and the thing that also amazed me was you didn't go. You didn't say it was Disney saying cease and desist because Disney could care yeah. less. Disney's that's their. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah, true. I wonder whether Disney caught on. Billy in New York wants to chime in. Billy, I I, I kind of got lost in transition here. Your video was interrupted, but <laughs> uh, where were we? Oh yes, vodka and. Uh, and Star Wars. Wasn't oh, Scott. It? Yeah, no, Billy. It's Scotch and oh. act, Star Wars action figures. This photographer um, photographs them in beautiful shots of these of these action figures with Scotch bottles. But he had a cease and desist, and he can no longer do it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, like I said, your video here is like it says, it, uh, play is interrupted. Please should be back by. up soon, or right now ish. It should Maybe be it's the heat. It should be. It could be. Well, Amtrak had trouble with the heat, so it could be that. So, were you going to chime in on something else since, since the video video jumped? Uh, I don't know. I I'm actually getting a snowblower ready right now. Is that wrong of me? <laughs> a snowblower ready? 
<laughs> hey, hey, we're later in the show, Billy. We're going to be making resolu- fall yeah. resolutions. We we move that resolution thing from New Year's to now. So you know, I, I snow blowing is perfectly appropriate. Uh, getting back from Provincetown next week without breaking down with one of the cars is my resolution. There you go. That's there you go. Great. And that happened last year. You had some mechanicals, right? It's damn right, I did. It's still dead. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, listen. Um, since I got sidetracked, I'm gonna let you carry on because my friend Kenny is uh, on the side here watching me, and I have to behave. All right, <laughs> all right, Billy. Thank Thanks, you, Billy. So, so the um, yes, yeah, so, but I, I, I agree with you. I think some of this stuff is nonsense in that you're right. There's an awful lot of adults who collect those action figures. There's people who collect dolls. There's people who collect toys that are of the drinking age. But I think in this case, they it wasn't a what was the it was a catch 22 what were you going to do well i and i keep trying to uh, trying to wonder how a child associates the toy with with scotch cuz they don't even know what scotch is except the colored liquid but i can't i don't have would a, a kid even be on that site a and and i don't even but it's hard to th- you know a teacher recently reminded me that as an adult it's impossible to think like a kid <laughs> you can say like, oh, how could they? They said kids don't have the same reasoning abilities. They can't. They can't separate one from the. So I have to remember that. So all right, that was like that was what caught yeah. my eye. I like the photography. It was beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. Did you go look at his site currently? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it's just anything. Now he makes uh, light light shades and lights out of whiskey bottles and packaging. But there's no more Star Wars troopers. It was the it was the whimsical things he would do with those toys. Come up with something else. Yeah. For his uh, business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So aside for so today's September fifth. It's also my parents' anniversary. Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary! And uh, but born in 1953, he's 65 today. John H. Tyson. Of course, you would know him from Tyson Foods. Obvious. He's an American heir and businessman. He served as CEO of the family business. He's the third person to be CEO. His grandfather started the company and uh, based in in Arkansas. And uh, he attended, John initially attended law school, thought he was going to be a lawyer, but dropped out and then went to work in the family business and uh, stayed there for uh, his career. Under his leadership, Tyson Foods acquired IBP which is a, kind of a, a beef or a protein, they call it protein processor, but, uh, be, which made I Tyson. I love your little air quotes. Right, Tyson then became the world's <laughs> largest protein processor. processing company. And then he served on a whole bunch of boards and gave a whole bunch of money. And uh, the one thing that stuck out to me, and I looked this up and I actually watched a couple of videos and spent too much time on it. There's a, something called the Tyson Center for Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace at the Sam Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. So I said, what the heck is the Faith and Spirituality Workplace uh, College in, uh, at Arkansas? And it says it's a faith and spirituality. It, it says that it teaches how faith and spirituality can exist in the workplace and how to make the workplace more faith-friendly. So they had all these people there, t- and, and they said they're not, they're not talking about any particular religion, but they were. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, hello. But I was wondering about how, how somebody goes, I guess if you're very religious, you would go. So they said it wasn't a religious thing, but it was how you could bring, as a leader in a company, you could bring faith and spirituality to work. Have you ever worked with anyone like that? No. No, I've not. You have. I know a you lot have. Of times. But I, ha- I have actually not. In, in my, I, ha- I work with a woman who is hypoglycemic. And she used to have these moments where she'd get crazy and frantic and angry. And then my old workmate, Karen from South, Karen Spotty, she'd come in and Chris would be like, oh, what's, what is that done? Is that done? And, and Karen would go, Karen, he goes, Chris, why don't you go have yourself a piece of carrot cake? <laughs> have carrot cake carrot come cake. back 10 minutes later. She was a completely different Fine. person. That's different from yeah. someone who's faith-based. <laughs> he collects art. He owns paintings by Lichtenstein and Andy Warhol. Married and divorced, just two children. But I, and, and Tyson, of course, owns a whole bunch of other products. They own Jimmy Dean, they own Sara Lee, the, the frozen baked goods. There's a, there's a graphic of all the different things that Tyson has. But uh, You know the little jingle for Sara Lee? No. 
Nobody does it like, like Sam. Yeah, you do know the jingle. I remember when go. mother used to get that coconut cake. We thought we were in high cotton. She would get that <laughs> frozen. The coconut cake came frozen. Frozen coconut cake. That and you let thing. it thaw, and after dinner, we'd bring that to someone's house. We thought we were in high cotton. That coconut. Love that line. Sara Lee, coconut cake. <laughs> Better we get an Entenmann's lemon crumb cake. But it was mm. usually, the, the if you did a Sara Lee frozen, it was big doings. So that's a happy birthday, happy John. Happy birthday. 65 today. All right. As uh, many of you know, uh, Deep, Tisk, D Deep Discount is a friend of ours here on the Focus Group. And while we were down in Rehoboth, look what I found. A little, Arr, little, little hand Look puppet. how great it shows up on Arr, Buy discs from Deep Discount. Don't, don't watch my lips. Buy discs. <laughs> well, John's going to have to go in on it. Can, John, can, can he John go in on the, the on the thing, on the camera? I don't know if he can this do that. It's the, the Criterion sale. <laughs> Tim, buy some discs from Deep Discount. i got to get better at being a puppeteer. So, uh... Deep Discount is, of course, a friend of ours on the Focus Group, and this is a very good month for us. We love uh, September because it's Criterion Sale. Over 1,300 titles from the Criterion Collection are on sale at Deep Discount. It's the best prices of the year. Um, I always say when Criterion Month comes around, by all means, pick up yourself a copy of Grey Gardens. And we want to incentivize you here on the Focus Group. So, Tim came up with an idea. He said, if you buy a disc from the Criterion Collection from Deep Discount, right. and just you get your order in the mail, just take a snapshot of the disc and maybe the Deep Discount slip that came with it, and get it to us at letters at focusgroupradio.com. Or post it on our or Facebook Or post it on page. social media. We're going to send you a pair of Focus Group Radio socks. And Billy, if you're still listening, I'm sending you socks. Actually, they went out the other day because Billy's socks wore out, and you know he's a loyal fan, and he buys product. But then Tim wanted to sweeten the deal, and he said, if you buy more than... Three or more. Three or... Oh, oh it's three or three more. Or more. <laughs> three or more discs from Criterion during the month. Through deep discount. You get two pairs of socks, right? Two pairs of socks. These are high quality. We like these socks. And it'll be two different colors. So we've got purple. We also have black and yellow socks. But you're us. not going to get the puppet. Well, you the puppet man. stays with John. Okay. The puppet stays with John. There you go. So it's the uh, Criterion sale. So, Tim, uh, or maybe I'll, I'll go first. Okay, so I picked from the Criterion Collection a movie that I've seen bits and pieces of that I want to see all the way through. And I think the best way to do it is with the Criterion disc because of all the extra content and features. It's called Midnight Cowboy. Uh, Midnight Cowboy was the first X-rated film to ever receive the Best Picture Oscar. And it's also considered one of the first uh, gay movies, even though it really... Oh, really? Well, it... So John Voight plays a hustler that comes to New York named Joe Buck, and he wants to score big, wealthy city women. He wants to hustle and, and have, it, have it going on with these women. He ends up being friended by uh, Dustin Hoffman, who plays Enrico Razzo Rizzo, who's an ailing swindler with a bum leg and a quixotic fantasy that he needs to escape to Florida um, someday. And the movie is is edgy. It's a it's a time and a place. It's New York in the late '60s. It's gritty. It's dirty. Times Square was filled with those you know triple X movie booze. The whole thing. And there is a, uh, the MPAA, the ratings agency, at the time termed, it got the X rating because there was a homosexual frame of reference. Because the relationship between Dustin Hoffman and John Voight was kind of, at some time, and there's a whole scene with Dustin Hoffman, um, you don't really know if he's gay or not, but it, it's, sort of, it's sort of in that direction. But the movie is a critically acclaimed film. A couple of little pieces of interesting trivia. When Dustin Hoffman was auditioning for the role, he knew that he was too squeaky clean to get it because he was off The Graduate. So he invited the casting agent to meet him on a corner in New York City, and he dressed himself as a bum. And he was shuffling around, asking for change, bothering people. The executive who was doing the casting never even knew it until Dustin Hoffman came up to him and said, I'm Dustin Hoffman. He was like, okay, <laughs> you got the part. Wow. And then there's this little disappointing quote from John Wayne about the movie winning the Best Picture. John Wayne was dismayed when this film won the 1970 Best Picture Oscar. He told Playboy magazine, wouldn't you say that the wonderful love of these two men in Midnight Cowboy, a story about two fags, qualifies as a perverse movie? Yeah, well. John Wayne, so the Reagan era. <laughs> so what did you pick? I picked uh, one of my favorite movies, which is uh, was released uh, Blu-ray through Criterion in, uh, in 2015, The Big Chill. And of course, it's probably it came out originally in the '80s, 1983, and it probably is the 
the 80s defining ensemble film because it featured so many great uh, memorable performances by Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, Jeff Goldblum, William Hurt, Kevin Kline, Meg Tilly. And uh, it's about a group of friends who grew up together, probably had went to college together, high school together, and then a tragedy happened. Somebody commits suicide that was part of their group. And they all get together for the weekend to attend the funeral. And of course, as you can imagine, everybody kind of falls back to their they're old patterns. They're old patterns. Yeah. And and I find this every year when I go back to homecoming at my college in Marietta, Ohio. All the issues that a lot of us had at 18, 19, and 20 are still there at 40, 50, 40, 40, 40, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I love the film. And I also love the fact that it that I think it has one of the best um, soundtracks of 60s and R&B hits. And for a long time, the uh, the opening song, do you know what the remember the opening song? Heard it through the grapevine. Heard it through the grapevine. It right. wasn't included on the uh, probably for licensing or yeah initially, and there were a couple other songs, one from the Stones that wasn't included. But now they they've released the music as well. So I picked the Big Chill. The one piece of funny trivia that they mentioned, Glenn Close, they said when they weren't filming, they would play lots of games. They filmed in South Carolina, and she had found this new game that wasn't released in the states yet, and everybody was clamoring to get. Can you guess what it was? Eighties, mid eighties, big big popular game. Everybody played it, a board game. A board game from the 80s? Trivia Pursuit. Oh, really? <laughs> they said Glenn Close had brought this down from Canada, hadn't been released in the States, and they would have to play Trivia Pursuit on and on and on. And uh, they'll play in it. But uh, you can get it, on, as I say, you can get Big Chill on Blu-ray. You can save uh, close to 50%. It's a little over 40% you'll save if you buy it through Deep Discount. And uh, you go through our website and click on the logo and buy it. And the release this week is a movie that I'm dying to see. It got very good reviews, critically acclaimed, um, probably because of the subject matter. It's called Won't You Be My Neighbor. It's on DVD, and it's about Fred Rogers yeah. and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I'm dying to see this because when the anniversary of the show came out, they... There was they sh they went to the Smithsonian and they showed um, a lot of the stuff they had preserved the Puppet Land trolley yeah. and some of the and I didn't realize that he did all the puppet voices. Did you know that that no. the, the Fred Rogers? Did you watch the show as a kid? I was no. We were Captain Kangaroo and cartoons. I was Captain Kang Kangaroo too. I think Mr. Rogers was perceived a little soft in our <laughs> household. Did, did you Did you guys watch Watch Mr. Rogers? Yeah, definitely. I did. Did right. you? I didn't like the creepy King Land. Oh, I didn't like that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. King Land, whatever I, that was called. I didn't get it. I yeah. um, but I do want to see the movie because I hear the I hear great things about the it. movie. Supposed to be really good, and because the movie profiles a man who was who he was behind the camera was who he was. Was off camera. Also, way ahead of his time. Way he ahead he of said his time. he introduced, similar to the story we did about Charles Schultz when he introduced the, uh, the Franklin. Uh, Franklin, the black yeah. character. Um, this for a kids' film when I, I believe the African American mm -hmm. was the male person. Yep, he was the mailman. Yeah, mailman or male woman. Was it a female? I think it was a man. Man, but anyway, he he had offered because he felt that that was. Uh, also a way for kids to see themselves mm -hmm. in, in the show. To see so, diversity. Right. So I thought that was cool. So, hey, John, get your puppet out. Go to, uh, go to focusgroupradio.com. It's the Criterion sale all week. We're going to, or all month, and we're going to be talking about our favorite films. If you buy one film from Criterion, show us your, that you did. We'll get a pair of socks. If you buy three or more, you get two pairs of socks, two different colors. Right, John? Now Garrett goes. Oh, there you go. Now, go, so, say, go, go ahead, Garrett. Thanks, Deep Discount. <laughs> John's going to get better at it. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got, uh, we want to talk about the new Nike ad that was released yesterday for the 30th anniversary of, uh, of Just Do It. And, of course, they used the football player, Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick and uh, all kinds of controversy. So we're going to weigh in on that, as well as a couple of other stories we found. So stay with us. Brought to you by Volkswagen. Visit VW.com to learn more. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with the Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Welcome back to the Focus Group. John Nash with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett. Go to focusgroupradio.com to learn all about the show the video platforms that we're on include and of course the audio and also if you are listening to the audio feed 
by all means, make sure you download on Tuesdays, Unbuttoned. It's about a 20-minute long podcast. We tackle two or three topics. Boom, boom, boom. You're in and you're out, and we hope you enjoy. So thank you, Garrett. We, Garrett's oh, wait, continuing yeah. the uh, the $2 bill trend. What is this? Did you Are these yours? Yeah, like a, 10 years ago, I won a bet with some listener when I worked at Sirius, and he sent me $50 worth of $2 bills. And you haven't used them? I, no, I never used them. And I, I guess I used two of them or three of them or something. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you. We'll, we gotta see what I, isn't it for a charity or something anyway? No, well, unless you well, consider us a charity. The Tim and John charity. <laughs> yeah, there you go. $2 bills. Uh, uh, yeah. For a charity. <laughs> it should be. So uh, I think this just happened on Tuesday, correct? Um, Nike, well, Colin Kaepernick announced a new campaign that Nike was doing. And um, within literally minutes of this campaign being announced, there was calls to boycott Nike. Nike's shares actually fell on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, I think they recovered as the day went on. But it's one of these tempest in a teapots that used to take days to unwind. And literally, this happened in real time in like a few hours. And by the end of the day, they were already talking about how much money Nike made from just social media impressions and the story, like the story being out there and being talked about and what it really meant. So I've, I've of course read about this and I, I was kind Why of, Why don't we give the backstory who Colin is? Go ahead. We don't know. So he's, he's a, he was a quarterback for the uh, San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. and he's the um, NFL player that started the kneeling during the national anthem to protest the way that uh, law enforcement or justice was being served on people of color or particularly African-American men. So during the national anthem, he would kneel, and then it became a big controversy um, as people viewed it as being disrespectful to our military or disrespectful to the flag. And then, of course, our president uh, jumped on and created this whole kerfuffle uh, with the NFL to get the NFL owners involved as other teams and other players began kneeling. Um, lo and behold, uh, Colin ends up not on a team yep. or ends up being uh, being not used. Released, yep. And uh, Mikey had, Nike had actually signed him back in 2011, but hadn't used him since 2016 in advertising. And so everybody was kind of surprised when this ad came out. And uh, do you have the headline there of what the, what the ad says? It's There it is there. It's on the screen. It... Uh, Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, and then there's a swoop at the bottom, and it says, just do it. And, yeah, so a lot of people weighed in. A lot of talking heads weighed in. People were cutting the tops of their socks off. The local news showed someone burning a pair of sneakers. I mean, I watched this last night, and I was like, this is news? They're they're showing someone with a propane... The kind of thing you'd make creme brulee with, frankly, you know, glaze the top. But he burns the burn the sneakers. Some guy who was a cameraman for some news crew immediately cut the tops of his socks off because he was an ex-marine. And how dare they do this? What's lost in all of this, of course, is that Colin Kaepernick started taking in the knee during the national anthem to protest, as you said earlier, police brutality. Had nothing to do with the flag, and certainly nothing to do with the military. But savvy politicians jumped on the bandwagon pretty quick and they stoked the flames which made Tim and I think about this a little bit because both of our careers are in advertising and marketing and sports well marketing associating a brand with a personality has always been a tricky thing yep um and it can go one way or the other and and I had this experience once when I went to Tim and I had a sports team that wanted sponsorship it was for a uh, thing called Primal Quest, I think it was. It was in Fiji or something. It was an all-gay team. Tim approved it, approved the budget, but he said to me in one of the final phone calls, he said, hey, just to let you know, you don't expect much. They're either going to win or they're not. It's a binary thing. They either do great or they don't. But, and, and that's, but that was a, a limited thing. That was a small thing. When it comes to personalities, though, that you align with, you don't know what they're going to do beyond your, your brand. Well, no, and, and, and as, uh, as Buick found out with Tiger Woods, yep. or as um, I had experience with both Martina Navratilova and Lance Armstrong, um, both controversial for different reasons. Uh, everybody accused Lance of doping, but at that point when we were working with him, 
Um, it wasn't. It was just an allegation at that time. Yep. And Martina, because of uh, the fact that she was a out uh, tennis player, was also some issues there. And the brand was scared that it was going to tarnish the brand. It was going to hurt the brand. And and how could you associate with um, with a lesbian? And so, yeah, there is always a danger. I was surprised here because, first of all, I think Nike has become stale. I think they're a lot like General Motors. They somewhat became stale. And so my thought was, well, here's a way for them to become relevant. Oh, yeah. And that was what a few other people said. And they said, however, with as dicey as things are in the retail market space or in the sports clothing space anyway, you have to be very careful Mm -hmm. what you do because this could either hurt or help the brand. As you said, stock price went down. Yep. And people are now saying, oh, um, they should have used Pat Tillman was an example. We have an example of the ad if you're watching. That's somebody that actually did quit the NFL and went into and enlisted in the military and uh, and was killed in action in Afghanistan. And they said that uh, I don't know if it was Afghanistan or Iraq. I know he was, he was killed. And in, in, uh, but either way, it was right after the, right. the, the, the 9-11. But Kaepernick had a hundred and forty nine million dollar contract for five years with the San Francisco 49ers. He didn't finish out the contract, so he only collected 20 or 30 million. They're estimating his Nike contract is somewhere between 12 and 40 million. It's gonna include apparel, gonna include clothing and shoes. Nike hasn't totally confirmed that. But when when I see an ad that says sacrifice everything, even, even if you sacrifice, I forget exactly what the exact phrase was again, but essentially, I don't really feel sorry for him that we're getting 40 million bucks, do you? Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. You just picked up 40 mil. Yeah. And <laughs> would you say, you know, and you're not getting your head knocked around. No. So, yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you wrapped that up pretty nicely. But the uh, president, and, and the, you and I he talked hasn't about weighed this in before. on this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, he has. Okay. Said it's a mess. The ad's a mess. Nike's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. President's weighed in on it, but what the president has done here is created this narrative again with his base and its perceptions reality. Yep. He's made this about the flag, he's made this about the military and about patriotism. And no matter how Nike or anybody else tries to fix it, I'm not so sure oh, that you could, people, you I'm could, not so sure the sides are going to going to change. You could say to the cows, "Come home." You could talk and talk and talk about. No, it's not why they take the knee. It doesn't. That's all being drowned out by the buzz. And you said you you said that you had made the point. You said you know it's his right to do that. Yeah. And but then someone else said, "Well, he works for you're an company. employee." Yeah. And do you do that on, on your time when you're an employee and you're supposed to be bringing tickets in for the for the franchise? On the plus side, the Nike, the team at Mar- uh, Nike's marketing department can breathe a bit easy because this one article says in 24 hours uh, since Kaepernick re- first revealed the spot on Twitter, Nike received more than 43 million worth of free media exposure. The vast majority of it was neutral to positive. And uh, what's more... The move sends a strong signal to their current roster of athletes and positions that Nike is a savvy risk taker. So there's a little bit more going on behind the scenes here. Um, and it makes them look relevant. You know, you, you, the people you piss off, they're not really buying as much of this as you yeah. think. So it's just a lot of, like, hand-wringing. But that was... Uh, well, how many of those people are buying Nike? And you used to say that all the time when That's people would, would right. ding the brand. I'm not buying your car. You weren't going for, to for anyway. LGBT. They weren't, yeah, they weren't shopping for we it. So cars to educated, smart people. So another, uh, yeah, <laughs> you used to shut that stuff down quite nicely in interviews. You'd be like, well, here's what we make the car for. Yeah, here's who, who, here's here's who, who buys the buying. car. I'm sorry if it doesn't fit your narrative. Uh, a quick one that Tim found, which I highly approve of, and I think it's a fascinating little twist here. France has banned all children under 15 from using their phones in school. So what happens here is there had been a rule in place about cell phone and mobile device use, tablets, etc. They've extended it now to be the entire school day, including lunches and recesses. So a child goes to school in France, the phone gets put in a locker, or it's up to the school how they put the phone away, and they can't use it again to the end of the day. I have zero problem with this. And when we were talking about it, you know, the very few times our parents had to reach us at school, they called the principal's office. I can, and we were laughing about this. A handful of times over my time in school, I remember a kid being taken out of class for a family emergency or something. Rare. The, the, the fact of this, yeah, I, I think this is a great thing. It's a, it's a, it's a national-wide rule, right, in France mm-hmm. at, at schools when you're 15 or, or, or under. I love the idea. I'm wondering if something like that could ever happen in the U.S., 
I highly I doubt we're it. Too big. Highly doubt it. And you know, it's this only what twelve million kids. I said it represents. Yeah. And and this is de delivering on a promise that President Macron made when he was elected. And yeah, you're right, Tim. I mean, geographically, France is the size of Texas, even though the population density is much oh. higher than Texas. I don't know that you'd be able to pull that off here. So the law was introduced amid fears that students were becoming too dependent and distracted by their smartphones. I agree. Even if they weren't de dependent, just this, the distraction is all I, the, the part I heard loud and clear. Because you you're not supposed to be distracted while you're, you're learning. But What would your mother think of that as a teacher? She'd highly approve. Oh, boy, would she approve of this. I wonder about, I've asked a few people who were uh, professors now in colleges, and um, they said it's so out of control. Yep. And, uh, but the kid's saying they're taking notes. You know you're not. Uh, that's a prime example. So I have a friend who teaches up at Williams, and he said half the class, tap, 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 they're taking notes on laptop. The other half handwrite the notes. Guess who does better on exams? Handwrite. Handwrite, handwritten note takers. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the science has proved this, that we remember, we retain knowledge differently when we write it. There's a mechanical thing. <laughs> That's a quick sidebar. So when the, when people started doing the, you know, bring the little laptop this. in. I know where you're going. Karen Allen. No, I don't know this one. Oh, so oh, that was a Jay bringing the typewriter to class. No, no, this was, we were, we had this, we were in, a, in the boardroom and Karen Allen was my counterpart in, in advertising. She was a South Jersey truth. Loved, I love Karen. Through, so, you know, so, solid, uh, solid individual. And uh, we're sitting there and this woman takes out her laptop and it's, Karen's like, yo, what's going on? She's like, I'm taking notes. No, you're not. Pad and paper. It's like, that's too noisy. I'm not talking over all that's happened. <laughs> I can see Karen doing yeah. that. Pad and like, paper. Yo, what's going on? And she's like, I'm taking notes. No, you're not. Pad and paper. I'm not talking over all that's happened. <laughs> but can you imagine now? I'm sure yeah. this probably in a class. I've been in meetings with when we when I owned my agency, I would go to a client meeting and the laptops, the lids open. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? Yeah. And half the time, I bet you they weren't even bothering taking yeah. notes. It was like on Facebook, you know, like I'll see you at sushi place at six or whatever. Or something. <laughs> what was the final story? you found? Uh, Final story was a, a story that I came across, which I loved. It's such a John story. It's called The Illusion of Control. Why the world is full of buttons that don't work. You know, you ever, here in New York, you ever wonder, you come to a street crossing, right, and there's a button on a pole and it says press, you know, press to, to activate the crosswalk or press to walk. And you push it and you wait and the light changes like, oh, the button works. Turns out <laughs> that that's not the case and that many buttons in our lives just don't do anything. In New York alone, about a hundred of the thousand crosswalk buttons actually function. <laughs> Well, they were saying that they used to work. They used to. And what has happened is as cities have grown, and this is, and they talk about Boston and a few other places, as cities have grown, those buttons that did work, they deactivated them, but just never changed them because now they're more sophisticated with traffic yeah, patterns. And, you, and, and these stopping the traffic all the time screws up traffic flow. So I laughed and I figured, yeah, why not? They just disconnect them. So now they call them placebo buttons. So it's like taking a placebo pill, right? So you take something that you think it's going to make you feel better. You, but you feel better because you've you done push something. it. You, yeah. you act. So the next thing up was not just crosswalks, but elevator doors. So if you're hearing this and you're in the United States of America, trust me, if you push the door close button, it ain't doing anything. See, I disagreed with that. I, I, I've been on elevators where I think it does work. I have two, and there are some that have an override, or someone has forgotten to turn off the fireman's thing. But basically, the door open, door close thing is activated only by a key in the master control panel of the elevator that the fire department or first responders use because that gives them control of the elevator. Do you boys think the elevators work like that? I don't know. It, it feels like it, but yeah. placebos are powerful. Yeah. Now I'm thinking there's a lot of things that don't really work, and I just <laughs> well, make it yeah. up in my head. <laughs> Now, if you're outside the U.S., apparently closing the, the – if, if you're in Paris, for example, if you hit the closed door button, it actually works. It's closing the door. See, I think it works. We'll try it on the elevator here yeah, when we leave. Yeah, it definitely works here. So, yeah, I, I know that uh, my old elevator in my old apartment building, it, the minute you work. hit that button, it would work. But most of them don't. Most of them don't. And the last bit of placebo button stuff was something that I just think is fascinating. Thermostats in hotel rooms. You know how sometimes you go you're, – you're in a room – it feels too stuffy. You go over, you adjust the thermostat. Maybe 10 minutes later, you think, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit better. Turns out that many are literally like dummy. Like clock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many are just dummy thermostats. In fact, I love this one. Did you read this one? Um, some guy, and uh, some guy 
was called in. He's an engineer. To to he said. They play. They replace their these dummy things are placed there to quiet a constant complainer by giving them control. He said, as an engineering trainee, I was sent to calibrate one of these thermostats. When I asked why they had me calibrate a thermostat that was not hooked up, they panicked at the front desk and asked if I told the occupant it wasn't hooked up. After assuring them I hadn't spilled the beans, they admitted that by not telling me it was disconnected, that would enhance the realistic. <laughs> performance of me trying to calibrate the thermostat for the unhappy hotel guests who thought the hotel room was too hot. And then there are good buttons, apparently, and good buttons do work, but I didn't really read that one. So too. they said essentially these placebo buttons have the net positive effect on our lives because they give us the illusion of control. It's yeah. something to do in situations where the alternative would to do nothing. And I love they gave an example in London where they said when you press the crosswalk button, it doesn't work, but a little light comes on and says, wait. <laughs> So it makes you feel like you did. Uh, I'm guilty of it all the time. When I, you know, I'll hit the button to go down, and I'll hit it again. And, and again, even if again. somebody else has hit it, I'll hit it again, and I'll feel like I hit the button for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe they didn't. I don't remember the very first host of Talk Soup, and this goes way back. Was a stand-up comedian. Was it Joel? It wasn't Joel McHale, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was two or three back. It was like one of the very first guys that did it. He had a term he used, and so he would. It was a stand-up comic, and he, it was the, when the show first launched. And he ha, he made up a word called premblememblemation. And you premblememblemate when you put a letter in a mailbox and you close the thing and you open it two or three times to make sure the letter went down. You know, that's just human behavior stuff. But he would call it premblememblemation. I just remember that one for some reason. That Oh my he made it up. It's a totally lot going made up on there. that head, Nash. <laughs> but I don't know why it's stuck. Isn't that funny that it went in stuck there? And I remember this thing. Got a from lot like... stuck in there. <laughs> All right, that's it for those stories. So that's it for those. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we want to uh, talk about some fall resolutions. Even though now that we're uh, school has started and we're in the month of September, a lot of people do have New Year's resolutions. But we seem to think, or we don't seem to think, we know that this time of year is the best time to actually catch up on resolutions or start some. So stay with us. Brought to you by Volkswagen. Visit VW.com to learn more. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with the Focus Group. And in business a week, I got more money than I know what to do with. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. Herrera Rocher. He is doing well. Welcome back to the Focus Group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. FocusGroupRadio.com has all the information you need to know about our show and about me and Tim. Okay. Um, fall, we discovered about a year or two ago. When did we start doing fall resolutions? Do you remember? We've always done them. Well, you and I have always done them, but bringing them, making oh, we them talk public. About them, yes. yeah, we talk about I, I personally find that there's something about the end of summer, beginning of fall. It's the weather changing here. If you, if you live in parts of the country where you actually have a, a weather shift, I just feel energized at this time of year. I do not feel energized January 1st. I'm actually kind of in the dumps. <laughs> well, <'cause> <laughs> because all the I'm excitement like, of the holidays is over and all the family stuff. And like, and oh, we're at the, oh, it's a new year. Um, so I like the fall as a time to make plans for the next three months or four months. And I actually do get a lot done. So I had three things on my list. They, they've been there for about six weeks now. And I'm getting ready to like put them all into action and get my work going. Top for me, I wonder if you have this on your list as well, is to uh, update my LinkedIn profile. Oh, I didn't put that down. <laughs> so you, but you always that's say. That's always you, on my list. That's always, a, that, that's a floater. Mine is so old. That I, goes I from I'm, list to list to I'm list. the oldest LinkedIn profile on the planet. <laughs> you just need a tumbleweed as your picture. You're all set. Uh, what was one of your first ones? My first one was, um, was to purge my basement. I have an awful lot of stuff Good one. in my basement. Things like an old old uh, water boiler heater that doesn't, it's not hooked it's up just, to anything. But it's been there and from the people that had the house before, so I need to get rid of that. There's an old freezer I don't use anymore. And there's probably a lot of things that I know I put down there 10 years ago into the crawl space that I haven't touched, even old Christmas stuff. Yeah. So I need to figure out what's in there because it just bothers me every time I go down. I just see all this stuff kind of stacked there I want to get rid of. And then for me, this time of year has always been, and it might be because... When you start a new school year, everybody calls it the new year in school, even yeah. though you're... It's you're true. In you're in the old calendar year, yeah. And it was always a time for me to try to get myself back in shape, going on 100 years. But um, it, I've always done well with trying to eat better and get 
back in shape. Uh, with some of my knee and back issues, it's been more difficult, but I was determined in the last, I would say probably nine to, or last two weeks, um, thinking that I need to do some things from a health and eating standpoint that uh, are helpful. Of course, you do it right before the holidays. Why not? Well, so, but if, if I have to be in the mindset to do it, and for whatever reason, I'm always kind of calibrated to September to do it. So we'll see what happens. I'm a little more disciplined in September. I don't know why. August, I just am like, oh, the whole world's taking a vacation. You know, there's a thing. So another one on my list was, um, you know, this time a year ago, I finished my last animation course. And I still love visiting my school's website and checking out videos and Q&As and lear- I've been reading and learning. I reread You're working on a project too. Right? I have three shots I want to do and I now I'm very I'm well along with one of them but so that's one of my resolutions is to really push myself to get them done by maybe January. And I reread all my handwritten notes from class and I'll tell I'll just say this if anybody's had this experience with learning something when you pause and you reread what you learned, or you, oh, you, it's amazing how it all clicks into place. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just one of those. I'm not, I'm not a slow learner, but I'm a delayed learner sometimes, especially with animation. This is one of the hardest things I've ever learned. So that's on my list as well. What else is on there? Is that- uh, so I have, when we moved to the new apartment, I collected all the print photos that I have. Oh, that's another and good I'm one. I'm now getting ready to be really brutal. It's two boxes. I'm saving a print or it's going away. And the ones that are getting saved are getting scanned. So that, because anybody listening, put open a photo album from the 90s or something. Take a look at the prints. They're fading and they're starting to get that chemical smell sometimes. So they don't last for. So I thought, save the prints, scan them, and then the box that gets scanned, I guess I'll save it. I was going to say, will you just throw them away? But the ones that I'm not saving go away. Oh, and by the way, I did a little R&D on this. I, I called a great scanning service out in Phoenix, Arizona, talked to a really cool guy, and he said, if you have a negative, it's the better thing to send them than the print. Really? I was surprised by that because I'd heard that the one it was a one-to-one relationship. But my goal would be to scan the pictures and then just dump them into a book, print the book out, so that when I'm 75 or 80, I could start flipping through. So do they give you <laughs> – so do, do you have to put them in some sort of order or they'll just scan no. them and then you, you can and drag? You can group them. And the site that I found out in, in the West in Phoenix, um, they give you web previews of everything before you buy it. So you could scan negatives in. And then they'll show you the five images on the strip. You only pay for the one you want to use. Oh, wow. Um, And you could, in fact, rubber band or put in envelopes groupings. And they will respect that and give it to you as a folder with those pictures. And last but not least, our book. Which, <laughs> which is uh, it's an evolving process. I just took all the pages out of, of, of and put it on the sofa as, as something to do this weekend. So There you go. We'll what else did you have? That was it? That's it. I, I, I don't want to go overboard. <laughs> I added the LinkedIn profile thing. Well, actually, you know, Tim, you're right. The animation stuff I've been doing for a while, yeah. the photos have been back, back in my mind, but the LinkedIn thing is something that I really just thought, let's just spend two afternoons. For LinkedIn? Yeah. The best thing I think you could do with LinkedIn is find somebody in a like industry or like like their profile but but see how it's laid out because so many people and i made the mistake in the very beginning setting it up you just copy and paste your resume in no you can't the link it needs to be more in a more um conversational i guess or yeah yeah or have more bravado than a resume so you could be a little more um you could sell yourself more that's that's the way of putting it yeah so that's so that's a fall you boys have any fall resolutions Never even heard of it before. Yeah. Oh, stop, Garrett. I'm thinking about it now, though. Jeez. And I've never done a New Year's one either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, Garrett's... Well, Garrett's like you. You, you guys he's, are like... He's even, though, a little further along. <laughs> I mean, you, we're, we're, you're almost a little grumpier than I mean, John, like, John comes to play. John's like, okay, I haven't done one, but I'll make one up. But Garrett's like, I no, guys, no. You know what? He knows what he likes. Why make one up just to make yourself feel worse a month later when you break it? <laughs> Sounds like a... Horrible idea. Set yourself, Set, setting yourself up. Yeah, yeah, right, John. You're setting yourself up for a fall. Yeah. Well, oh, Garrett. Well, thank you, Garrett and John. Nice to see <laughs> Thanks, you guys, guys again you after, too, our, yeah. after after our, our break. Summer. Right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks to our friends at Deep Discount. Be sure to go to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Deep Discount logo. If in the month of September you purchase a Criterion film 
or you purchase three, you'll get you'll get a pair of our Focus Group Radio socks, three or more films. You'll get uh, three pairs of, or two pairs. Of two stuff. pairs. Let's not go crazy. And uh, but we'll post something on Facebook to uh, explain the rules or uh, or what the deal is. And a special thanks to our friends at Volkswagen of America. Uh, our ice cream road trip is available through YouTube or on the Facebook feed if you want to check it out. John and I had a lot of fun with Brian when we went through the countryside where they're all tracked. That performed beautifully in hundred degree, heavy humidity weather it was have you had ice cream since no uh i had ice milk the other night it ice was, milk it was that uh halo stuff that i got at costco it was fine because was fine after the trip after 12 dairies i I, th- I think i had my last scoop for a good long time <laughs> There's also, if you're in the market for a car, it's also a good time this time of year to, to, uh, to check out some vehicles. Go to VW.com. Volkswagen's got some great sales going on and some great lease programs happening right now through the end of the month. So, uh, hey, don't text and drive. Arrive alive. I remembered it this week, John. Because I didn't look at you. Have a good week, and we'll see you on Unbuttoned on Tuesday. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Formerly on Sirius XM Satellite Radio and now accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group. 